Hey, welcome to today's Brilliant Perspectives podcast with Graham Cook. I'm your host, Michael Becchio. Today's clip with Graham is both heavy and beautiful. It's not heavy in a negative sense, but in weighty truth. It touches right down on the magnificent love of our God and drives home some of the splendorous truths and implications of that love. Father's love is so massive and unworldly, there's more to it than can ever be described. We will forever be in awe and wonder at how great and marvelous he is. Enjoy this piece that just begins to describe and unpack the qualities of God's immense love from Graham's moving series, Uncommon Love. You know, the truth about uh, uncommon love is that it doesn't matter whether you're a success or an absolute failure. God isn't going to love you any differently. You can be the best person there is. He'll love you 100%. He can be in total abject failure. He will love you 100%. Yeah. He is the same whether you're succeeding or failing. And he never changes. And that's probably one of the things that I love most about the Lord is his love never discriminates. We discriminate, but he doesn't. So I thought this evening that um, before we get into the business of uh, uncommon love, we need to probably spend an evening on common love. Yeah? What we face in the world, and often in the church all the time, is love by discrimination. And we need a paradigm shift so that we can perceive true love for what it really is. Love that is always true, no matter what is occurring. A paradigm shift is a complete change or reversal in the way that something is perceived. And love has several faces. The Greek language actually has about four different words for love. English has one. So we use the same word when we say, I love you, Lord, as we do when we say, I love my dog. I love ice cream. I love nachos. We use the same word. I love baseball. I love basketball. It's the same word as the word we use for God is the same word that we use for everything else. But you know, it's interesting that when the early Christians began preaching about the love of God and what what he was really, really like, they found there was no word in any language that could adequately describe what God is like. And so they made one up. And that's how the word agape came into being. Agape is absolute, unconditional love to the whosoever. You don't have to be good. You don't have to be great. You can be loved no matter who you are, no matter where you are, no matter what is occurring in your life, whether you're handling it well or whether you're handling it very badly. 
There is one form of love. The Greek word for it is storgos. It means to be without love, to be heartless, to have no natural affections. It's uh, descriptive of a hardened heart. In 2 Timothy 3, verse 3, it's used to describe a society that is degenerating. There is philios love, tender affection. It represents a reciprocal love that you feel for a best friend or a brother or a sister. That kind of friendship where you're fond of somebody for all types of reasons that are good. And generally, that kind of love is generated by what we see in someone that we like. The inference, therefore, being that if we see something in someone we don't like, that we don't like about them, we actually withhold love from them. God isn't like that. If he was like that, I'd be preaching to an empty room this evening. In fact, I wouldn't be here at all. Agape love is the one we find in 1 John 4:16. We have come to know and have believed the love which God has for us. God is love. God is agape. And the one who abides in love abides in God. And God abides in him. For the essential meaning of agape is an exercise of the divine will of God in deliberate choice. So when God looks at you, he deliberately chose you. He didn't choose you because of what you could become. He chose you because of what you were right there, right then, at that precise moment. How many of us know that God doesn't get disillusioned with us? Because he never had any illusions in the first place. He knew exactly what you were like. He knows everything about you. And you're just not clever enough to surprise him. He's always known everything about you. He knows the way you think. He knows your prejudice. He knows your preferences. He knows everything about you. And he has set his heart to love you 100%, whether you're doing well or whether you're doing badly. That's agape. A deliberate choice of will to love someone because of who you are not because of who they are. Agape. Wow. There are a lot of directions we could go with unpacking this, but I chose this line to focus on. Graham said, when God looked at you, he deliberately chose you. He did not choose you because of what you could become. Let's just sit on that for a moment. Consider the implications here. God did not choose you because you're special or gifted or had potential or measured up or made the cut or showed aptitude or looked the part. None of that. He chose you because he loved you right where you were and right where you still are. That choice happened before you did anything good, before you responded to his overtures, before you believed in him, before you put your trust in him, before you yielded your life to him, before you did anything. You simply must carry this train of thought out to its full conclusion. 
If you did not do anything to earn God's love or favor before he chose you, then you never have to do anything again to earn his love or favor. You don't get in by luck. It was deliberate on his part, and you don't stay in his radical love by performance. Beloved, you will never have a time or place in life in which the requirement to perform will usurp the benediction of his love and grace given freely to you. You are in because he's put you in, and he does not take away his love, nor does he change. He placed his love upon you before the foundation of the world. He chose you in Christ. He decided in his own divine will that he would love and cherish and save you. Do not be dissuaded from your position as a much-loved, adopted-on-purpose child of God. Cease striving. Cease trying to prove yourself. Cease feeling that you don't measure up. Let go of thoughts of unworthiness or ineptitude. Relinquish fear of failure. Untangle yourself from worry of being unloved or unlovable. And fear not of God's disapproval or disappointment in you. He loves you because he chose to. And he still chooses to today and every day. And he chooses to see the best about you, beloved. Who you truly are in Christ. And who you are because of his wild, enormous grace, which covers more shortcomings and shortfalls than you can ever imagine. You are extravagantly and incomprehensibly loved. So live in it without fear and without apology. You deserve his love in Christ. Hear that. You deserve his love in Christ because of what Jesus has done for you. May you be blessed with the confidence and assurance that comes from knowing his commitment to you and his unfailing love. May you experience all the grace and safety that his love provides. And from Ephesians 3.19, may you know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to all the fullness of God. Many blessings to you in the glorious grace and loving kindness of Jesus. And have a most wonderful week with him. Thanks for listening today.